Good morning, Times Square Church. This is Pastor Tim Delina. Change happens so fast these days that I often feel like that somebody has pushed the fast forward button and our culture, our heads are spinning because every day is changing so fast that before we can get our feet steady, it is now turned to left or turned to a right. And what's interesting is no one can script what What's going to happen with the church? What's going to happen with our society? What's going to happen with our jobs, with these businesses? No one could have scripted this. In fact, no national leader had worldwide pandemic on their radar. And I don't think any pastor thought that we would be not meeting in a building for months because of a, a worldwide pandemic and having church online. I have a high school senior and a college freshman that are wondering is this the way my first year of college looks like? Is this what my last year of high school looks like? Is there going to be a prom? Is there going to be a hat and gown uh, ceremony? Because we just don't know. Things are changing so fast. And why was no one prepared from the White House to God's house? Because it's so easy to settle into familiarity and to settle into, the, into a routine. We are in unfamiliar territory as a society, as a church today, and as individuals. And, what, and where we are is that we are in a sense, what I heard one of my friends say, we're building the plane in the air. We don't know what tomorrow will hold, but no one likes change. When the dust clears in America and around the world, I want you to listen to me close. Things are about to be different for us. Things will have changed in our society Things will have changed all around us. But I want to tell you this today. You can have hope while things are massively changing. You can have hope in the midst of all this. I want to show you today how you can find hope in the midst of everything at, 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 a, at a rocket speed that are changing in your apartment, in your neighborhood, in your city, and not knowing what tomorrow holds. I want to show you one of the greatest changes coming verses and chapters in the entire Bible. It's what God does for his people during massive changes. In fact, it's Moses and is about to talk about changes. Three huge changes with the, with the children of God. Moses speaks of three of the biggest changes in Deuteronomy 32 and 33. In fact, it doesn't get bigger than this. He talks about moving, death, and job changes. Oh my goodness, this is exactly what people are facing today. Do I need to move? Do I need to leave the tri-state area? Do I need to leave my apartment? Can I even stay in my home? Am I able to pay the mortgage? I don't know what, where my job is gonna be. Do I have to take a pay cut? And death, man, it's happening all over. We see it on, on the corner of a screen, on the, the news channel, CNN, Fox News, seeing what's happening. And then you think about job changes. And Moses with the help of the Holy Spirit, speaks to all three of those changes. The move that they're about to experience is from the wilderness to the promised land. The death is really not, is, is not just with some of the people, but is even his own, that there's gonna be a new leader um, taking over and not the same people that you journeyed with through the wilderness are all gonna be entering into the promised land. God even said that because of the spy situation with Joshua. So not all of you are coming in, but two of you are definitely going in. So there, there is not only happening is the, is the moving, but there's going to be death that you're going to be facing. And then also there's going to be a job change. No longer are you going to be nomadic, but you're about to enter into a whole new opportunity to be farmers, that everything is changing around you. Think about that, moving, death, and also occupation. 
can't be more difficult than this. And the image that God gives to his children in the midst of this is literally magnificent. And I think it's something for us today. Get this now. God tells them when you're experiencing massive changes in your life, this is what God says through Moses. Remember the eagle. This is, this is magnificent what God does. God says, I want you to know, change is coming, but I want you to remember this image of an eagle. It was Moses, this is Moses' swan song. These are his final words in Deuteronomy 32 and 33. He was about to die, and here are his last words. The landscape was a wilderness and of, of, of splintered peaks, of jagged edges, of, of scarped rocks and crags, um, and, and cliffs all around them, and he goes, Things are about to change. And he says these words. Let me read them to you in Deuteronomy 32, verse 10. He says, He found him in a desert land and in the howling waste of a wilderness. He encircled them. He cared for him. He guarded him as the pupil of his eye. Speaking of Israel. Now listen to these words. And like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that hovers over its young, he spread his wings and caught them. And he carried them on his pinions. The Lord alone guided him. The him in that is Israel. These people. It's God's people. It's you. It's me. God goes, I'm there for you. In fact, let me read it to you in a paraphrase version. The message says it like this. It's so powerful. He says, he found him out in the wilderness in an empty windswept wasteland. He threw his arms around him, lavished attention on him, guarding him as the apple of his eye. Here it is now. He was like an eagle hovering over its nest, overshadowing its young, then spreading its wings and lifting them into the air, teaching them to fly. Oh my goodness. This is incredible what Moses begins to give us on this lesson. Moses reflects that the people were confounded by a hurricane of change and God is not missing in the picture. God is about to walk with them in the picture. They were passing from one land to another, passing from one life that was wild and restless to a life that was gonna be of agriculture and domestic. From the wilderness to the promised land, new leadership was coming. And as his, as his death was really close, but he said, but you're not going into this change alone. You're not going into this next season all by yourself. Moses was speaking to a philosophy of disturbance. And the way to speak about change was he needed to give them an image of what this eagle was about. He needed to speak to it of how important this is. And, and, and the eagle's nest, Moses is declaring, it's a revelation for the change that is about to come. And he's telling them in verse 11, as an eagle, King James brings this out, verse 11, as an eagle, and then verse 12, so the Lord will. He starts to show the, the, the similarity or really the, 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 how complimentary this is that as the eagle, so will the Lord in verse 12. It, 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 what he was saying was God says, when change comes, remember the eagle. And this is what he says. He is the God, get this now, who will break up the nest, who broods and who bears. Let me give that to you again. He is the God who breaks, who broods and who bears. That's what the verse says. Who breaks, who breaks, get this now, who breaks to make you sometimes uncomfortable and to, and to, and to get us to a place of change. He'll brood to make you aware of his very presence that he is there, who bears to make you ready to go into new places that you could, never would have gone before if it wasn't for this change season. Let me say those words again because these are literally the words that he is saying to the people of God 
when these massive changes are coming, just like they're about to come to our society, when the dust clears, and who knows when the dust clears, but I want you to be ready. That God says when change comes, I am the God who will break, who will brood, and who will bear. I'll break up things to make you uncomfortable because I'm going to bring you to a place that you wouldn't have gone to on your own. I'm going to brood, which means you'll be aware that I'm there. At times, it'll just be my shadow, but I'm close enough, and who will bear, and who will make you ready. Don't, don't miss this. This is a huge point, and I don't want you to miss this. God changes stuff so God can change you. Or, or let me say it to you this way. Sometimes it takes a change to change. God changes things around us, changes and literally rocks our world that, that we're getting upset with because the familiar and the routine has been taken away so he can change us. And sometimes it takes a change to bring a change. So how does this begin to happen? I want, I want to just walk you through those, those words that, that God gives of the image of what he's doing for the children of Israel. He says, first of all, it's a revelation of the God who breaks up the nest. Remember, he says, like an eagle that stirs up the nest. Get, get this, not all change is Satan. Not all change is the devil. Many times, God is using these, these changing seasons and these difficult moments because it's gonna be a growing season for his people, for his church. And I believe that. I believe that what we're getting ready to experience is God is taking away so many of the props in our life, so many of the, of the things, of the unneeded things and going, Let, let's strip this thing down to get you to where you're supposed to be. Change may come because we've been too comfortable relying on the wrong thing and re, instead of relying upon God. In fact, one, one version says, that uh, not stirs up the nest, but breaks up the nest. See, keep this in mind. When the little baby eagles get too comfortable, what happens is, is that one day the mom comes back and with that large beak and those giant talons comes back to the nest and starts ripping out all the things that made the, ne the nest comfortable. From, from animal skins to feathers to leaves to shrubs that made, it, that made all the inside comfortable the outside was all the sticks and God comes in, starts ripping out those things going, it's no longer, I don't want you to stay at this place anymore. Can I just tell you what's happening? It seems like all around us, God's ripping out the comfortability, the comfortability of the pews and sitting in a church, just sitting there listening to the music, reading the words off a screen or reading them on a hymnal. And all of a sudden, God shows up one day, however you want to call it, and starts ripping those things out and saying, listen, I'm stirring up the nest for you. When you start feeling uncomfortable um, somewhere, it may be God getting ready to bring change into our lives. This is a calculated disturbance for his church, I believe. It's a calculated disturbance for people all over cities, all over the world, and all over America that God is beginning to do something. You know what's crazy? Sometimes, sometimes medicine bottles have on it th these words, Shake well before using. That's exactly what God does to his people and to his church. Sometimes he has to shake them well before he's about to use them. And that's exactly what's happening in this season. God says, huge changes are coming. Remember the eagles. He'll stir up the nest. Number two, it's a revelation of the God. Here's the other word. We don't use this word too much. Who broods over his children. The, the phrase says that hovers, one version says hovers over its young. Always remember this. You're never alone when God brings you into unknown territory. Every day seems to be unknown territory. Every week seems to be unknown territory to us. When God brings change like he is now, think about it. 
There's no, there's no book, there's no manual. You can't go to Amazon to get the instruction guide on how to get through COVID-19 um, pandemic. We have nothing, but we have God. And like an eagle that stirs up its nest, he will hover or brood over his young. The mother hovers or broods over its young. And this is such an important word. I want you to get this because there are times you may feel God is not there, but he's always there. That word brood means to be close, but sometimes not always right next to you. Now that's a big, that's a big, this is a big statement because there are times that life is changing and you feel like God is far away, but he's there. We're, we're, we're looking, where is God in all this? God goes, you're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. I, I never, I never pull away from you. It may seem that I'm not. In fact, when one of the versions says he, he, he will hover over its young and you'll know his shadow is there. Like we read out of the message version, his, he's overshadowing, which means if the shadow, if you see the shadow, you know that his presence has to be close. There is a tribe in South America um, that has a, a, a uh, adult uh, a, a, a right to bring young men who are 12 years old into adulthood, kind of like what the Jews have as a bar mitzvah. And this tribe down in South America, what they do is they take that 12-year-old and they bring him into the deepest, darkest part of the jungle and they leave them, that 12-year-old there, all night by themselves. It was, it was the father who had to lead that 12-year-old all the way to, that, to the jungle. Far away from people, far into unknown. No book, no manual. You are left there overnight by yourself. And it's there that the boy has to listen to all night long the ghoulish sounds of the jungle, not knowing what's out there in the dark. When the sun rose, one of the most amazing things happens that they said is that when the sun finally gets up, the child probably has never slept all night long, he looks and just a few feet away, away from him, it says the father is sitting just a few feet away from him. And one story says that while he was sitting there with his son, the boy asked, have you been there all night? The father replied, of course I was there all night. Do you think I would leave you alone? Do you think I would ever leave you alone? This is the brooding. He may have not felt his dad there, but his dad was always there. When C.S. Lewis was walking his wife, Joy Davidman, through cancer, Lewis writes, in Grief Observe, one of the rawest books of a, of, of a husband walking a wife through cancer, Lewis writes, and he says this, he said, he, he could have used not a crying room for his wife, but a screaming room when his wife was dying of cancer. Because he, didn't, he said, because I didn't feel God, but God was always there. Listen to me close. It's one of the most powerful verses in all of the New Testament. It's Hebrews 13, 5. You, you know this verse. Listen to it. He hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Boy, that verse is so powerful. Can I just elaborate on that just for a second so you understand what brooding is and how important this word is? Because Hebrews 13.5 is a rare verse. It's been simply translated this way. It's good English, but it's not good Greek. Let me, let me say it to you this way. This verse contains an unusual triple negative that appears nowhere else in the New Testament. It's not, like I said, not good English, but it is good Greek. It should be translated like this. He will never, never, never leave us nor forsake us. Hallelujah. Those are incredible words. 
He says, I need for my people to know when change is coming and change is happening all around us, I got to give them a triple negative on this. I will never, never, never leave you. I, it may be my shadow, but you'll know I'm always close enough. I'm always there. You'll never have to worry. It's a revelation that God is close. God is there. But it's also a revelation of the God who bears us on his wings. It says in Deuteronomy that he carried them on his pinions. King James says, beareth them on his wings. This is, this is an image of how the eagle teaches its young to fly. This is a scary moment. And, it, and it's not a matter of how smart you are because you, it, this is unknown territory. This is not a matter of it's my DNA. I've got parents that know how to do this. I know how to navigate. This is, this is midair stuff. There is, no, there is no wires. There is nothing to hold you. This is midair acrobatics that you're going, I have nothing underneath me, nothing above me. What do I do here? It's that day when it says that the mom carries them on its wings. Listen to this. Carries them on its wings. It'll finally take those eagles. He says, this is how we deal with change. He says, I put you on my back. And he says, and I take you to places that I know how to fly through. I know how to get through. And then what he does, listen to this. Because God is never going to bring us to a place, never going to bring us to a place that he's not been himself. And what he does is he puts that little small eagle on his back. We, we, call, we, call, it, we call it this from the verse. He begins to carry them on his pinions, carry them on his back and on his wings. It says that while they're there on his wings, enjoying the flight, comfortability and routine, mom's got this, the parent eagle's got this, God's got this, all of a sudden they tell us that the mom will just kind of lean over and that little baby eagle slides off in midair. And now all of a sudden the ride becomes scary. And that's what many of us are dealing with. This, this is a scary ride because we don't know what tomorrow holds and we don't feel anything underneath us, nothing above us. But remember, he's always brooding. He's always there. It's a revelation of God teaching us to do something that we've never done before. And all of a sudden, that eagle is trying to, is about to use muscles and wings in a capacity it's never used it before. It's about to realize giftings that have never been used before because if it stayed in the nest, those giftings, those wings would never be used. It may be used to feed itself. It may be used to hit some, another brother or sister eaglet in the nest, but it would never be used for the opportunity it was. Your voice in the church is not meant just to talk to church people. Your, your, your opportunity to, to worship God is not just meant inside of a church building, but this is God taking us outside going, okay, we're gonna shut down the churches. We're gonna put this online. And now you're in a spot, God tips over, you're going, what do I do? Because these wings were used to fly. These wings are used to do something you didn't do in the church, in the nest, in the place that you got comfortable. God goes, I ripped out all the soft stuff. Then I want you to know I'm near, but now I'm gonna teach you how to fly. And scientists tell us that he'll tip, that eagle, eaglet will go, and it's, as it's trying to learn, then all of a sudden, just before it hits the ground, that motherly instinct comes in, swoops down, picks it back up on its pinion. And here's what's crazy. It says sometimes, sometimes that mother has to do it 40 or 50 times before that little eagle realizes these wings are meant to fly. God is giving you some gifts that were never used before. There are some of you college students that are, that are now with, with your university campus that is shut down, now is gonna take maybe some of your giftings and use it in the church because you've got some time. 
There are some of you pastors that are gonna start to see people in your church start to fly. Some leaders are gonna see them start to fly because God has gone. Now the nest is uncomfortable. Now what I've done is I want you to know my presence is there because this is new territory for us. And I also want you to know that we're about to use those wings for how, how they were always meant to be. It's your gifting. It's what you were called to do. This is what God has come to do. Let me, let me say it to you this way. Let me close with this. These, these, this, this is what I want you to get. Takeaway points. Listen to this close. Let's take those again. Number one, you may be surprised what's happening, but God never is. You may be surprised of what's going on all around you. Never on your radar. It's always on God's radar. Number two, he has carefully orchestrated this moment and knows that you are ready and when you're ready to face it. He knows it. He knows he's, he's orchestrated this moment. He's put you in this moment. And, and you may go like, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. I don't know what to do. I, 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 listen, I remember when we were starting to have children, I, I've worked in some of the toughest areas of the inner cities in America, but I remember when we started to have children, this fear of death, came over me. Am I going to walk my girls down an aisle? Am I going to be there alive? And, and, and every plane ride, every, every time uh, that, I was, that, I was, that I was in a situation that never was afraid before, now all of a sudden, I'm starting to get afraid. And I'll never forget on a Delta flight, I was reading something from Corey Temboon, who wrote this in one of her devotionals from the Trans World Radio devotionals, that she was dealing with the fear of death. And Corey Temboon writes this in a letter in, in one of her devotionals. She says, she recalled a childhood incident when she told her father, I'm afraid that I will never be strong enough to face death and even maybe even face it as a martyr when they were going through the Holocaust and being put in a concentration camp or the, the, the possibility of being taken by Hitler for the concentration camp. Listen to what Corey's dad said. He said, when you have to go on a journey, Corey, when do I give you the money for the fare? Two weeks before? No, daddy on the day that I'm leaving, precisely. We have a loving and a wise Father in heaven that knows we're going to need things too. And when the time comes to die, he will give you the ticket too, and he will give you the strength you need just in time before you take the journey. Man, that just liberated me. It's God basically saying to me that he's orchestrated this moment to say, everything you need, you may not get it when you want it, but you'll have it right on time. But there's a third thing I'm realizing is worry doesn't get you through anything. So let's stop it. Worry doesn't get me through every day. There's no need to do that. This is so important because Corey went on to say in that, in, in, in that devotional, worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It just empties today of its strength. We need strength every single day. Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. So do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will care for itself. This is the big changes. For Moses, it was the moving. It was the occupation. It was death that you were dealing with. Each day has enough trouble of its own is what Jesus said. In fact, let me read it to you out of the message version. It says like this. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will, God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when, this sounds like Corey's dad, when the time comes. Man, God is so good. God is so amazing. You know, you may be watching this going like everything is changing. I am afraid of tomorrow. I want you to listen to me close. You know who's afraid of tomorrow? Are the people that don't know that they have a father in heaven. You know who's afraid of tomorrow? Are the people that don't have a father or don't have God the father. 
in their life. They may say, I have a church, I have a religion. Um, I've, my parents, know, but I'm talking about God the Father. People who know that God is in them, listen to me close, who know that God is in them, knows one, even when it gets uncomfortable he, and change is coming, I know that God is getting me ready for a brand new season. He's always there because he's always brooding over that nest. And number three, he's always carrying me on the pinion of his wings, teaching me how to fly. But some of us don't even, understand, even realize that that we're on a free fall drop and we're going, there is no one to pick me up. There is no one again. But I have good news for you today. There is a Father in heaven that loves you. There is a God in heaven today that goes, let me in your life. And what's amazing is you're starting to realize you don't have to be in a church building. You could be on your, on your cell phone, watching on a laptop. Those things that were used to text a friend or to, to do business and to work. But now all of a sudden you're, you're looking at something that literally can change your life. The people that have to worry about tomorrow are the ones that don't realize that I have a relationship with God the Father. This is so important. What does that relationship mean? What is that, what is that all about? Jesus describes that relationship that I'm talking about, a relationship with God the Father. He calls it being born Again, just as you were born the first time in a hospital and have a birth date, Jesus says, the relationship that you're going to have with God the Father, with me, is going to be by being born again. It's a second birth. The first birth is in a hospital. The second birth can happen right now. In fact, I want, I want to talk to you about how that begins to take place because Jesus said this in John 3, 3, no man, no man can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Oh my goodness, how do you have hope when changes are going around? Here's how you have hope. You must be born again. Those are Jesus' words, John 3, 5. Well, Pastor Tim, I thought um, I, I was baptized or I took communion or going to church. I'm a good person. But you know what's interesting? With communion and water, those are all good things. But that's not what Jesus said. Why, why is it that you still have fear? Because you're not sure if God is your father. And today that can change. That relationship it's called being born again. Well, Pastor Tim, how does that happen? You know, we say to kids all the time, do you know your ABCs when, you're, when they're growing up? It's just the fundamentals. And really, I want to take those three letters and just give you the fundamentals of what it means to be born again. It's, it's, it's simpler than you think. And it's more profound than you can ever imagine. Let's just take those letters and just add a word to it to help us remember. A, it's admitting that I'm a sinner. It's, it's when we begin to get honest with God and say, every one of us, starting with me, is broken inside. We all have a condition called sin that we can't fix with a priest or a pastor, a promise or a program, but only God can fix it. That, that we can try to fix it ourselves, but we will always fall short. I'm, I am broken inside, and the diagnosis of what the brokenness in me is called sin. That's why one pastor said it like this. We're not mistakers who need correction. We are sinners in need of a savior. We're, we're, we're not, we said this, we need more than a second chance. We need a second birth. That's what being born again is. And that starts with the B word, believe. Believing that God sent his son to fix our condition. Since I can't fix myself, God says, here's the remedy. That if we could fix ourselves, think about this. If we could fix ourselves by just saying, I'm going to be good, I, I'm going I'm to stop this or I'm going to start doing this, then why would God have to send his son to die for you? See, this is 
the biggest change that's going to happen in your life. It's the most important question we can ever ask you is, have you been born again? Is, is God your father? It's the most important question. Because if we could fix ourselves, then, then why would God have to send his son to go through the suffering, to go all the way to the cross? And you think about this, it would be the worst case of child abuse. If God's going, fix yourself, but I'm going to put my son through all of this, of, of, of all the suffering. If I could get myself to heaven by being good, then Jesus would never have to come and die on the cross for me. Jesus' death was Jesus being my sin bearer of doing something for me that I couldn't do for myself. He died a death I should have died because he lived a life I couldn't live and gave me a reward called heaven and eternal life man, that I didn't deserve. And finally, so important, A, admit, B, believe, C, confess. Confess him as Lord. Is it just saying it with your lips? No, it goes deeper than that. Romans 10, 9, and 10 is so important because it reminds us, listen to this. Do you think Jesus died on the cross, came down from heaven, walked this planet for 33 years, died on a cross, rose from the dead to get us to sit in church for an hour on Sunday or, or to watch online for an hour? Of course not. He didn't come, listen to me. Jesus' goal wasn't to get you to church. Jesus' mission was to get you to heaven. Hallelujah. This is what he's come to do. Coming, coming to church on Sunday, that's religion. Becoming, being born again, that's a relationship that happens every day. God doesn't want Sundays. God wants every day. See, Christianity isn't coming to a place. That's what makes this so amazing. You don't have to be in a church building. Christianity is not coming to a place. It's coming to a person. And when you say you are Lord, it means you're boss of my life. I don't do what God wants me to do only for an hour on Sunday. But when you're boss, every day belongs to you, every moment. That's called lordship. And just as you had a first birth, today you can have a second birth. Because you know what that second birth does? It gives you hope in the midst of a changing world. The second birth lets you know I have a father that like that eagle, if it, though it's uncomfortable, God knows the changes are coming. He's always brooding over my life. He is there. He will never, never, never leave you. And three, he is going to begin to teach me gifts that I never knew I even had, like that mother eagle does. And the most important thing that's going to happen today is just as you were born physically in a hospital today, you can be born again. And today could be your second birth, or get this, your second birthday. Hey, if you're, if you're listening to this right now, and you're, and, and you're out there going, Pastor Tim, I want to do that. I want to, I, I want to start that journey with God, but I'm not perfect. Ha, great news for you. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be forgiven. And today it starts. A new journey starts for you. Pastor Tim, I want to start that journey. Okay, then I want you to do this. Wherever you're at, wherever you're watching this, I want you to pray this prayer with me. I, I want you, if you're able to, I want you to pray it out loud. If you're in a situation that you can't pray it out loud, I get it. You can pray it in your head, whisper the words, but I want you to say these words with me. I want you to pray this prayer wherever you're at right now. Hear, hear the words. Let's pray this together. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe, come on, say it with me, that you are the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. 
Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Now say this with me. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm so excited for you. Can I just tell you this? Talk about having hope in change. This is the greatest thing that you, that you could ever do. This is, you have made the greatest decision of your life. You answered the most important question. Have I been born again? And today you could say, I started the journey. I am born again today. I want to ask you to do something for us here at Times Square Church. Would you do me a favor? If you prayed that prayer, come on, get that phone out. And I want you to do me a word. You text everybody else. I want you to text us today these words. Just text the word decided. D-E-C-I-D-E-D. Decided to 88202. That's it decided to 88202. You'll see it on the bottom of the screen. I want you to tell us today, hey, I prayed that prayer. I started that journey. I decided that I'm today I'm going to be born again. You know what we want to do at Times Square Church? We want to just send something to help you on your next steps. We want to make contact with you and say, hey, here's where your next steps begin to come. Man, change is all around us. Change is happening. But can I just tell you the greatest change, regardless of what's happening around the world, just happened in your life and in your heart. God bless you.